0: Welcome to the Hatch and Curiosity Podcast, where homeschooling families cultivate innovation through curiosity, creativity, and critical thinking. I'm your host, Christina Hatch. You're listening to Episode 18, Summer School, Seven Styles to Make the Most of Your Three-Month Break. Now, many of you know, but some of you may not, that I am a one-woman show. And unfortunately, the last couple of weeks, I have been suffering from migraines. So I am sorry about getting this episode out late, but nonetheless, excited to dive right in with you. Today, we're going to talk about the different styles and scheduling for homeschooling throughout the year and specifically how we can make the most of our summer vacation. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have some nice sweltering 70 degree temperatures here in rural Idaho and across the country. Those of you with 100 degree temps can go ahead and send me hate mail while my Alaska friends and their lovely 55 degree temperatures can put your shorts on and head outside. No matter how you dice it though, the school year is over for the public schools, and it was kind of a tumultuous end, if we can agree on that. Nonetheless, that's not how everybody does their scheduling throughout the year, and so we're gonna talk a little bit about that and how you can leverage these different styles to your advantage. The first style we're gonna talk about is the traditional style. So these are the people who start school in September, have a couple of breaks in between, you know, at Christmas time or maybe a spring break, and then finish their school year at the end of May or early June. This is more of the traditional school year, and this is what I grew up on. I was public schooled. And in when I lived in suburban Utah, all of my neighbors were on this schedule. And so I imagine it would have been really hard to keep my kids on a different schedule than the public school schedule when all the other neighbor kids are riding their bikes up and down the streets when school's out. So there are a couple of advantages to sticking with a traditional school schedule. You may do five days a week. The reading, writing, math, science, social studies, and electives, hardcore during this nine-month period, and then just take the summer off to get suntanned and play in the pool with your kids. Maybe do some swim lessons or go on a couple of family vacations, right? And so there are some advantages to this. One is that you don't have to worry about the kids whining to be outside with all of their friends down the street when they're off school and we're on or vice versa. It lines up really nicely with that. Another one is the summer camps that are offered line up really good with your schedule because everything is catered to having kids around at that time. Another advantage besides just the social aspect of it is that you hit your subjects really hard and then you are comfortable to take the break because everybody takes the break and you can just relax and enjoy and not have to worry about anything other than maybe planning for the next year. So that's one way to do homeschooling when you're scheduling out on a year's basis. Now we're gonna dive in a little bit deeper to daily scheduling ideas later, but this episode we're gonna talk mostly about just the different styles that you can do when you're looking at scheduling out for a year. So another way is more of a custom-built schedule. It's still the traditional schedule, but maybe instead of taking June, July, and August off, you carry your school year on into August and then take September and October off. Now, the reasons why people might do this are more familiar out where I'm at, which is because September and October are harvest season here. So this is the potato harvest. And even the public schools have two weeks off in October for potato harvest because they know if they don't give a two-week break, The kids are going to take it anyway to go help their family harvest the potatoes. So you're still doing nine months. You're still sticking somewhat close to the school schedule, but you take off a different time frame to better suit your family's lifestyle or needs or religion or work schedule. Another way to do school is to do it year round. There's a couple of different ways to do this. The first way is to just do three or four days a week with long weekends and short holiday breaks. With longer weekends, you don't need as long of breaks to catch up on projects and rest because it's kind of built into your week. You have room in your schedule for things to come up. So if we get sick this week, we'll just do five days for the next couple weeks instead of three or four, which may be your normal. And you only need to take off a week for Christmas instead of two or three so that you can get right back into the rhythm of things and have it make it work for your family. Another way to do year-round school is to do five days a week or maybe even six days a week if you're super ambitious, and then stop when things come up. So you have no planned breaks. Now, this kind of consistency can either breed great habits where school just becomes a part of the rhythm of your everyday, or it can lead you to doing much less school than you think. Because in theory, you're doing school all the time. But in actuality, things are coming up all the time and you're constantly justifying not doing school because you do it all the time and you'll catch up when you're really not ever catching up. Now, I only say this because I learned this one from experience, that kids and us just inherently do need to have breaks. We need to have rest built into our schedule and to just go, 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 go without a break may work for some families. I'm not saying it won't, but for most families, it's better to have some form of scheduled rest to your schedule where they can look forward to it. And then also when you take that break, it's more planned for. And you recognize how precious that time is. And so you use it better to either work on projects or to enjoy time together or just appreciate the time of rest that it is. The next way to do school year round is intermittent. Now I have a friend who's getting ready to try this. And so I'll have to report back later on how that works for her. But what she's looking at doing and several people do who do a intermittent schedule is to do six weeks on and one week off or maybe two weeks off. Rather than taking one or two large breaks, you take frequent scheduled breaks to stop and rest. So this gives you something to look forward to, is a nice chunk to complete a unit study or evaluate what is or isn't working and keeps kids interesting, (laughs) interesting, keeps them interesting. No, it keeps them interested and motivated. And then the last one is not to set a schedule. This is more of an unschool style. Life is learning, prepare the environment. Rest is built into your life's rhythm so you don't feel the need to take breaks. You do not do formal schooling, so there isn't really anything to break from. You're always looking out for opportunities to learn and preparing their environment with tools they need to self-educate. Unschooling is not my style, but I do believe there is something that can be taken from this type of education, and it does have a place in a child's life, which we're gonna talk about a little bit further on. A study done by Map Growth in 2015 showed that students on average lose 20 to 30 percent of their reading and math gains from the previous school year over summer break, especially in the early years where decoding and memorizing addition and multiplication facts depend largely on practice and repetition. Additionally, there have been countless studies on the many benefits of routine in children's lives. It is at the heart of Waldorf, Montessori, and classical education models because it helps build healthy habits and, more importantly, gives the child a sense of security and predictability in their day. It helps them to feel loved when they know what to expect and what is expected from them. It also teaches discipline, which will help them with their chores, learning, and later work, and how work is balanced with play, which can create a fulfilling life. Charlotte Mason once said, The mother who takes pains to endow her children with good habits secures for herself a smooth and easy days, while she who lets habits take care of themselves has a weary life of endless friction with the children. Many of these good habits stem from daily routines, which we're gonna cover in another episode about laying out your homeschool day. Often, that routine will differ from season to season. When my husband works out of state, we have a different breakfast routine than when he's home, but either way, we have one. What your daily routine in the summer may look like depends on your family. So I'm gonna talk about seven different styles of summer school with their pros and cons for you to consider as we head into the hot months ahead. Now, these are gonna kind of reflect back a little bit on how you do your yearly scheduling for your homeschool, which you talked about earlier. So if you do a traditional style, it's gonna look a little bit different than if you're doing a year-round style or an intermittent style. But we're gonna pull out different concepts or summer school styles that you can incorporate because I know most of us really don't fit into one category or another, but we're pretty eclectic. And so I just wanna throw out a couple ideas that might resonate. And then hopefully you guys will let me know what you're doing and what works for you in the comments on Instagram, and we can have a conversation about this and share some of our ideas. Cause I know we're all looking to have a really fun and productive summer with our kiddos. Okay, heading into summer, the first thing you can do is just continue like normal. If you already have an intermittent schedule, a separate break planned, or just take breaks as you need them, then you'll just continue on as normal. The pros to this plan is that you'll keep your well-earned habits and rhythms without disruptions. The cons are that it can be challenging, especially if you live in the suburbs. School your kids while their playmates call for them outside. My sister-in-law and I finally decided to keep the same schedule after we realized how hard it was to have one of us on break while the other was schooling one floor away in the same building. Watching her kids jump on the trampoline outside my kitchen window made it impossible for my early readers to learn anything. It can be done though. If you set up your schedule right and set up boundaries with your family and friends, defending your school time, you can still continue pressing forward on the track that you're in and reap all those benefits about not getting caught up in the summer slide and keeping those good habits. The second thing that a lot of homeschoolers do from talking to my friends, I've learned that most of us stick to reading and math just to prevent the slide and keep up on skills. This probably is the most popular method for summer school in the homeschool community. The pros are that you get to prevent that dreaded summer slide that even homeschoolers are not exempt to But you don't have to stress yourself out with elaborate lesson plans and extracurriculars. Reading for 20 minutes and doing a page in a workbook is enough to keep that skill sharp but still allow for summer fun. The cons are that you still need to monitor it and make it happen. Being on vacation mode makes it a lot harder to call the kids in for schoolwork and they may push back even more than they do at other times of the year. Still though, if you tie it into another routine and give short lessons, it should be able to fit these two mini lessons in. There are also other more creative ways to get their reading, writing, and math practice in, which brings me to all the fun subjects that get neglected during the school year are easier to do during the summer months. So if you're not gonna continue like normal or do a set reading and math mini lesson, another thing that you could do is if you mentally say, we're on summer break, but we're going to do a lot of really fun things, then you don't feel the academic pressure you normally would during the school year to get your boxes checked. And you can feel the freedom to just joyfully explore some of the subjects you may have neglected during the school year. Subjects like poetry or artist study, foreign language study, nature study, art, music, physical education, science experiments, or unit studies. We'll get to what I do in a bit, but some days the only school my kids do during the summer is gardening and nature study. Our apple tree project is coming along nicely and the kids are enthralled to watch it change week after week. It is a beautiful and natural education. Reading in a hammock while out camping is a beautiful bonding experience that they will remember for a lifetime. And if you haven't already, I'm going to recommend it again because my kids loved it. Summer of the Monkeys is the perfect summer reading book. So if you haven't read it yet, pick it up right now and go read it. And then if you have read it already, there are tons of other books and that may be a really great discussion for your next girl's night out with your homeschooling homies. So back on topic. Taking time to do projects like this will help cultivate a love of learning and infuse your homeschool with joy. It's also easier oftentimes to do biology and the like when the plants are in full bloom, bees are buzzing and the animals are out. When we try to study these things during the traditional school year, the natural world is sleeping. Notice them now. Be in the moment fully. The pros are that you will feel like a rock star for doing school when you don't even have to, but the cons are that it may take a little bit more planning or effort. You need the time to rest, reset, or plan for the next school year. Constantly planning projects could get exhausting. The good news is that you don't need to go overboard, though. A weekly hike, afternoon story, Maybe pulling out the clay or paint once in a while can be enough to light a spark. Just add it to your weekly planner. What one joyful learning activity can we do this week? And as a bonus, you'll have an excuse to grab a cold drink, sit on the porch, and pop up Pinterest while they ride their bikes in the driveway. The fourth way to do school in the summer is with unit studies. Now, I mentioned them a little bit earlier with the apple tree study, but that was using more of a loose term where we just watch the apple tree develop over time, maybe make a couple notes in our nature journal. To really do unit studies during the summer, though, as like a plan for your school year, you could do full-on units. Now, I'm talking about where you study the Middle Ages and dive deep. You could maybe go to a renaissance fair, start reading a book about knights and dragons, learning old recipes, make it a little bit more structured with reports and projects that they're responsible for. I just said renaissance and middle ages at the same time. Look how good I am with history. I need to uh, scolay myself a little bit on that one. Sorry about that, (laughs) all you history buffs out there. But my point is that you're gonna dive deep And maybe I should dive deep into this subject a little bit with my kiddos. You're going to get really into a project and have way more time to spend on it than you would during the traditional school year where you're trying to fit in your other core subjects because you're able to just focus on this subject completely. All the books that you read, all the cooking that you do, all the projects that you do and outings that you do can be based around this one topic and you can just dive deeply into it. And this is a great way to do it if you have something that your kids are super passionate about. For a while there, my boys were obsessed with space. How fun would it be to go to Houston and go to the space station with my kids and go see the different museum exhibits at the different hands-on children's museums and to spend a night out on the trampoline stargazing and build model of the solar system, which we have done and was absolutely a blast. But we'd have way more time to do things like that in the summertime when we're not trying to get in all of our other subjects, also trying to go to co-op and all the other normal responsibilities and could just really enjoy it for the joy of learning. So the pro here is that you can have an entire unit of history covered so you can make room for other subjects during your normal school year or go a little deeper into something that you're passionate about. The cons are that it can take a significant amount of planning and execution, and if your family isn't accustomed to this type of learning, the kids may set off their school alarms in their head and protest. I think a lot of it has to do with the way you present it, though. If you present it as a family adventure you're going to do together and talk it up for a while before you go do it, collaborating ideas will make it a lot more buy-in and be a deeply memorable experience for you. So I think you just need to kind of sell it a little bit to the kids. And if you have older kids especially, help them plan it. Get them involved on the front end of it so that there's a lot more buy-in and excitement from it. And then just really enjoy those memories you make together. Speaking of memorable experiences, go school travel and other adventures is the fifth way to school during the summer. Now, if you haven't heard of Go School, you are missing out. When I went to one of my first homeschooling conferences, I went to a class about Go Schooling and was completely sold. The concept here is that they do all of their schooling through immersive experiences on the go. They study caves by going caving, history by going to reenactments and historical landmarks, visit natural history museums and the like. Summer is the perfect time to do this because you don't feel the pressure to press forward with academic achievement so you can go on educational field trips and adventures with no other agenda than to just enjoy them and pick up what you can. The cons are that it can get expensive. It takes planning, preparing, and if you're a family of introverts, too many adventures could be a little bit exhausting. But no one says you have to go, go, go. Even one or two special trips can be fun and educational. They don't even necessarily have to be educational trips. You can still learn a lot just by traveling together, trying new foods, meeting new people, seeing new places, or even the journey provides ample time for audiobooks and important heart-to-heart discussions. When you take the time to get outside the home, it takes you away from your usual chores and obligations and sometimes allows for connection that you may miss by just going about your daily work. I really think there's a benefit here to getting out of your normal routine from time to time. In our last episode, we were talking about how well that goes for sparking creativity but it also is critically important for our kiddos as they make connections that they get to have different unique and novel experiences that they can try new things and then try to see how that fits in to the world and their own mind and where it doesn't fit it can lead to great conversations just new eye-opening perspectives on things. The sixth way to homeschool during the summer is turning a little bit away from that. So we're not gonna be leaving the house as much. We're gonna be staying at home a whole bunch. However, what we're gonna do is we're gonna give them all the free time in the world with a prepared environment. Now that last little part of the sentence is the part that sets this apart from just free play during the summertime. The reason why we're gonna prepare their environment is we're gonna pull lessons from unschooling and Montessori and a couple of the other educational philosophies like maybe like Waldorf In the sense that we want the children to explore and self-educate, but we don't necessarily have to be doing all of the planning and directing to make that happen. We're going to let them discover and learn from themselves, but we're going to have the tools on hand for them to do it. So if you want your kids to look up science experiments to do at home, you're probably going to need to have some balloons, rubber bands, and other odds and ends on your next grocery run. You'll get in this habit of saving your Amazon boxes so that they can build shields and other creative pursuits. You'll keep a library that they can flip through to find what they need as, or drive them to the library once a week so that they can find what interests them there. Letting them choose their own projects and interests can be a powerful way of learning but it isn't unsupported. You need to know what they are getting into and to give them the space and tools to do it. The cons are the messes that will inevitably ensue, the lack of guarantee that they will do something productive and not just messy, and the fact that they won't be getting regular reading and math practice done. You may have a child who literally colors all day or rolls around in the dirt with their trucks, but they have what they need when inspiration strikes. With just a little prep work from you or a quick YouTube search, you can inspire all kinds of creativity to flow. When the kids have projects to work on and tools to do the projects, it creates an atmosphere of creativity in the home and they're less likely to get bored. Literally, just this afternoon, I had my eight-year-old son teaching my six-year-old nephew how to make a mask after they they watched a tutorial on YouTube. And I remember walking past them as they're working on this project and my older one's like, here, let me show you how. I walked down the hallway and I saw my four-year-old son teaching my two-year-old niece how to draw a bear on a paper, which honestly, I don't know how they got bear out of that, but I thought it was the cutest thing. And he said, here, let me show you how. And then I go outside and I find my six-year-old son and my eight-year-old nephew chasing each other with dump trucks, talking about which one's the bigger truck. (laughs) So it's not always these sweet creative projects that they're going to come up with because sometimes it'll be literally chasing each other around with dump trucks covered in mud. However, they have what they need here at the house that they can be able to open a book or have me pull up YouTube for them, which I always supervise because dude, there is some stuff on there. You do not want your kids coming across. (laughs) Anyway, and then they have, you know, materials and craft projects and things like that so that they can dive into it. And my son is so used to this in our home now that he'll ask me, he's like, hey mom, I need you to pick up some brads on the next time you go to the craft store so that he can have what he needs to do his projects. And I think it's just kind of creating that atmosphere over time. If you don't already have that creative energy in your home, you can still create it. It just takes a little bit more inspiration. So maybe do a craft project with them or pull out a book and say, hey, what kind of things are in here? You know, just to kind of get them started, just a little bit of inspiration and then let them go with it or give them like super creative materials and say, you know what? I don't care what you do, but I want you to paint me something or I don't care what you do, but do something with this Play-Doh, right? And then just get them started. And then once they get used to getting started and knowing that they have access to the materials, then the creativity will just flow out of them after that. Then the last way of homeschooling in the summer or at least the seventh way that I'm going to be talking about today is, of course, straight up sending them outside with an ice cream cone. Now, at first (laughs) glance, this does not look like a learning style, but it is when you look a little bit closer. I came home from a family reunion one time and found my nieces and nephews outside on a huge dirt pile in their swimsuits with a hose. Pure summer childhood. They were letting it run, watching it cut a path, and learning how to direct their river, dam it up, and then watching the dirt move with erosion. They played for hours, and it took mere moments for my kids to join them. That fall, when we learned about landforms, everything that they did in play came flooding back. Maria Montessori once said, Play is the work of children. And even in their play, they are still learning about the world around them, themselves, how to get along with others, and other soft skills that are critically important to a happy life. No, they are not academically achieving anything, but academics aren't everything either. There is something to be said for a joyful childhood with lazy, carefree summer days. Furthermore, all of those large and fine motor skills they're developing will come in really handy when you start teaching them cursive next year. I think that it's really important that we appreciate childhood and let them play, and not everything has to be structured academics. However, I know that each of us are gonna just find what works for us. And if it isn't obvious by now, you can go through with any one of these styles, but we'll likely do a mix of many of them. I just wanted to put food for thought on what you can do and why you do it so that we can always be intentional with our children and our time. Personally, I do school light in the summer. Short reading and math lessons, fun projects, outings, but I intentionally ask, what are we learning this week when I plan my week so that we can enjoy the joyful, lazy days of summer, but also the unique, fun-filled learning opportunities it provides. I hope you were able to find some new ideas for summer learning, or at least look at school during the summer with a new light and see how it aligns with your vision for your homeschool. Work, learn, play, and rest each in turn. Enjoy whatever version of school and rest you do during the summer, And as always, stay curious.